Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Luke chapter 4, and we're going to pick it up in verse 14, and it says this, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out fame throughout all the region round about, and he taught in the synagogues, being glorified. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went to church on the Sabbath day. That's a good custom to have. Can you say amen? Going to church is a good custom to have. And he stood up to read, and he said, And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because God anoints us for a reason. God would never call you to do something without giving you the equipment to get the job done. Amen. Many are called, but few are chosen. So how do you get chosen? You have to qualify. If you were here last Sunday night, there was a young couple. And if you remember, he knew he prayed for his wife. And right in the middle of the sermon, as I was preaching and I was ministering, he lifted his hand and said, can you teach me how to flow in that? And so he thought, can you teach me right now? And my answer to him was, you need to come, you need to sit, you kind of learn, and all that kind of stuff. And I would encourage him to go to Life Christian University because there's a process. There's a process. You can have all the hunger there and the desire there, but unless the character and integrity is there. Come on, hello somebody. I remember Pastor Rodney, you know, he was 18 years old and he traveled with YWAM. And it was a traveling music group that they'd go around and then they'd take turns sharing their testimony. And he was actually, I think either, I think he was in, a, in an Episcopalian church or a Methodist church or something. And he, tell, he shares the story when the power of God flowed through him. And this is what he said. You know, he's about 18, 19 years old and had a call when he was five years old to the ministry and all that kind of stuff. Knew he was going to be a preacher. But he said all of a sudden, you know, he was in the back room in the vestibule in the office area, and there was one of the team members, and she wasn't feeling well. So she asked, so she asked Pastor Robbie, could you please pray for me? And he said that he got his hand right about here when he, re- when he was going to reach out and touch her, but he said that he felt a flow of the anointing. He said it was like a pipe. He said his fingertips kind of fell off, and something was flowing out of his hand. And as it flowed out of him, it hit this lady in the head, and she crumbled in the floor. Then all of a sudden, the rest of the team members came to the waiting room in the back before service started, and he just tell them, lift your hands. So he'd lift his hand, and he'd about to touch them, and he didn't even touch them, and they were falling into the power of God. So he said it was a wonderful move of the Spirit, but then he said he began to panic, because if the pastor who walked back here, and he sees everybody laying down on the floor, he probably asked, what the heck is going on? You know what I'm saying? So he actually thought to himself, I'll just lay on the floor with everybody else. And then he just thinks, you know, that everything would be, would be okay, you know, the pastor came back. So all of a sudden, you know, they're getting ready for the service. So he began to wake the people up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. And then there, the praise and worship leader who wasn't feeling good, who was just healed. Now she's intoxicated and had to prop her up between two of the guys. And as she was on the piano, she's kind of woozy, you know, and everything like that. You know, and, and he said this. You know, when they got invited, they said, we know what you believe, but we don't want you to pray for anybody or do anything, you know. We, we don't want that, that Holy Ghost stuff going on. So, of course, Pastor Rodney gets up and he begins to share a testimony, and he's thinking in his mind, man, how can we have out here what just happened in the office? Right? So at the end of his message, he just said this. He said, if you want a blessing, come forward. Now, in the Methodist and Episcopalian, you know, a blessing is a... That's a blessing, right? So all of a sudden, everybody started coming up, and all of a sudden, he said he started at one end, and all of a sudden, he just said, he just barely put his finger on somebody and say, in the name of G, he didn't even get to Zeus. Boom in the floor. 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 Boom. The whole row. Boom in the floor. He turned to the pastor and said, it's not me. It's not me. It's not me. So what is that? That's the anointing. That's the substance. We minister the unseen. You can't see it. But if you mix faith with it, you can receive of it. You mix faith with it. I remember, you know, watching some of the old Oral Roberts videos of his tent remodels, and he would tell people, I see, he said, put your hand on the seat in front of you as a point of contact to release your faith when he's praying for people. And he would pray one person at a time for hours. 
and miracles and signs and wonders. The anointing is the substance. It's the manifested presence of God. That's what the anointing is. He says, the Spirit of the Lord upon me because, number one, He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. That's poor in body, poor in spirit, poor physically. Good news. What is the good news? You don't have to be broke. No more. You don't have to be poor. No more. You don't have to be sick. No more. The anointing destroys the yoke. It does not break the yoke. It destroys. We talked a little bit about our bodies are made up of 75% water, 25% dirt. What does that make us? A mud pot. Praise God. Amen. And when a foreign entity comes into our bodies, it contaminates the soil and taints the water. The anointing eradicates the foreign entity trespassing on holy ground because 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Is not your body the temple of the Holy Ghost and God there dwells in? Amen. So all I do after all these years is I let God out. If God is in, then you can let him out. Amen. And you let God out by faith. The anointing is transferred by faith. It's received by faith. There are good conductors of the anointing, and there are not so good conductors of the anointing. The anointing can be compared to electricity in the natural. There are good conductors of electricity. There are not so good conductors of electricity. Copper is a good conductor of electricity. Rubber is not a good conductor of electricity. There are good receivers of the anointing. There are semi-receivers of the anointing. And then there are some resistors. I've laid hands on people and felt the anointing go in them and then come right back out and smack me and knock me to the ground. That is an absolute God you deserve. Your flesh reacts to the anointing. Anytime someone came in contact with the supernatural in the Bible, something had to give, but it wasn't going to be the supernatural. Every time an angel appeared, hello, where was man? Boom, on his face. We find that even at the tomb of Jesus. When the stone was rolled away with the angels, the Bible says that the Roman soldiers fell to the ground. Come on. We find this out in John chapter 18 when there was a band of men that came to get Jesus and 11 of the disciples. Judas was with them. When you read John chapter 18, the Bible says that Jesus and his disciples were in the garden of Gethsemane. And they were praying. Right? Isn't it interesting? He found the disciples sleeping and he said, Could you not pray with me at least one hour lest you fall into temptation? So you want to know how to help you? For preventing you from falling into temptation? Pray in the Holy Ghost an hour a day. Did he not say that? Did he not say that? Did he not say, can you at least pray one hour lest you fall into temptation? So what's the answer of temptation? Pray in the Holy Ghost at least an hour a day. So when the temper comes knocking on the door, you can resist. Not only that, when you pray in the Holy Ghost, according to the book of Jude, verse 20 says, Beloved, build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're building your faith. Not only that, according to the book of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says, and you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you to be a witness unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Plant City, and the other ah. parts of the earth. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. In, John, in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, Jesus encouraged them, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father which you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. We know that in the book of Matthew, chapter 3, and verse 11, it says this, that John the Baptist baptized with water, but he says, there's one coming after him, whose shoe latch is unworthy to a tie, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Isn't it interesting that you got Acts chapter 2 and verse 4 says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues, right? And Acts 1 8 says, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you to be a witness. What kind of power? Healing powers, delivering powers, the anointing power. But then you have James chapter 5 and says, if any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and anointing him with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick. Isn't that interesting? You've got anointing with oil for many for those that really don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then you've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hello. But God wanted to provide a way for anyone to be healed because that's who he is. Amen. Come on now. Yeah. Jehovah Rapha. Yeah. My healer, right? Amen. Yeah. So God has made a way for the anointing. 
There, there's an anointing to be a housewife. There's an anointing to be a lawyer. There's an anointing to be a doctor. There's an anointing. There's an anointing to have a cleaning business. There's an anointing. God would never call you to do something. You have to understand that the difference with, with us in the world is they look for their vocation. We look for our calling. So don't look for life's vocation. Look for life's calling because that's your calling. Because we need anointed lawyers, anointed doctors, anointed housekeepers, anointed housewives. Come on, I know somebody. We need that. Not everybody is called to the five-fold ministry. Here's something cool about God. He's, he's just amazing. God is absolutely, phenomenally amazing. You don't even have to be called in the five-fold ministry to be able to operate in great signs and wonders. The Bible says Stephen the deacon wasn't even in the five-fold ministry, but he did great signs and wonders among the people. A fivefold minister is called to that office. Not only that, he receives double judgment in that office because he teaches other people. And not only that, that double judgment is why he's here or she's here on earth. It's not in heaven. It's on the earth. But the Bible does say that if you give a cup of cold water in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. So the same reward that the fivefold ministry gets you get, and you don't have to have double judgment. Man, I don't like that. Hello? That's way cool. The double judgment comes from the teaching of the word others, where God takes that very serious, especially if you lead people astray into falsities. It's very dangerous. That's the reason why Pastor Marie and I, we never preach subjects that we don't know about. We don't have the whole counsel of God on everything. I, I, we can only give you what's been given to us in the revelation of the word that we've gotten because it's line upon line and precept upon precept. Come on now, within the subject matter in which we're teaching. We want to stick with that. And we want to make sure that our, that our quotes line up with the Scripture, not the Scripture to our quotes. Come on, hello, somebody. Because sometimes people just swallow things hook, line, and seeker. They just do this. Did you know that you will react more visually than you do audibly? You, you react more visually quicker than you do audibly. And as a matter of fact, I guess they tell us that you have to listen to a message at least seven times to retain only 20% or 25%. Mm-hmm. That's what you're getting. Mm-hmm. I can preach several messages on Sunday morning on a subject, repeat myself over and over again to bring solidness to it, a foundation to it. I could probably take the same message over the next four weeks and preach the same thing, but not necessarily say the same things. I'll say new things. Why? Because I'm leaning on the anointing of God. Hello? And the voice of heaven to get what you need. Many people in this room have different places with God. Your relationship is at different levels. Sometimes that's the reason why some preachers machine gun something. Because... They say something and minister to somebody. And then they say something different. And it seems to be off kilter or off course. But the person sitting there goes, my God, that's my answer. That's the reason why there's that machine gun or maybe even rabbit trails. Because those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. And we want to be led. I I endeavor to try to be led in what I say. That's the reason why Pastor Marie keeps me from knowing a whole lot about you. So that I get a word from the Lord. Hello? It's from the Lord. It's not because somebody whispered in my ear. That's the difficult part. So she keeps a buffer. So that I can hear the voice of God for your life. Hello? The great shepherd. Who you answer to first. Hello? Who you answer to first. But I'm an under shepherd. Of course, my primary calling is an evangelist. That's my primary calling. I mean, you cannot not hear a sermon without me talking about Jesus. I can't help but talk about Jesus all the time. I mean, it just, it just comes out, Jesus. Amen. That's the primary message of an evangelist. Go on. He talks about Jesus all the time. And get people saved. Like tomorrow, we're going to get some people out throwing that out. It's probably going to be a pretty big net. Amen. We're going to get some people saved tomorrow. I mean, the last funeral I did, we had 30 people saved at the funeral. And one heel of a bone can't bone uh, tumor. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> that was a funeral service. Come on, hello, somebody. I mean, I might get bold and pull the person out of the casket. 
No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. You never know. Uh, I might do a Jehovah Sneaky. Just in the name of Jesus. You know, I, I, I think I'm going to do it. I'm just going to walk up in the name of Jesus and then walk away real quick. And then if it pops up, I'll just be shocked with everybody else. And then I knew what really happened. You know, How cool would that be? That would be The guy's only 38 years old. I mean, he's wearing a wonderful cologne called Embalmed. Praise God. Amen. So we might have some opportunity to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I better make sure that I go for the Lord because I pulled the sucker out of the cat. He didn't walk. Yeah. I'll call you tomorrow. You'll come visit me. Praise <laughs> God. Amen. Hillsborough County Jail. Praise God. Amen. Hello, somebody. Man, if we want to see the dead raised and the blind see and the deaf hear, then we got to pray for that. Can you say amen? You know, it's very rare you ever get an opportunity to pray for a dead person. Right? Yeah. So... I may do a Jehovah sneaky and just practice a little bit. And then I may ask the, the mortician, can I go back to the refrigerator area? I need, to, I need to practice. Pull out all the stiffs. Are y'all here today? Come on. Hello. No, it's the anointing. The anointing. The anointing. The anointing. The anointing is the tangible, manifested presence of God. God's presence is all, isn't always manifested, even though he's omnipresent. God's presence is everywhere. Satan is not everywhere. He's not omnipresent. He's probably somewhere in Africa or in India right now, tormenting some Indian or some Afghanistan. Somebody over there. And only one-third of the angels went. Hello, only one third. Michael was in charge of a third. Gabriel was in charge of a third. And Lucifer was in charge of a third. Did you know that? And one third went with him. Not only that, Lucifer was heaven's praise and worship leader. And a third of the angels that were with him were the singers. So can you believe it or not, at one time, heaven was empty of a worship leader and singers. Wow. That's the reason why music is so powerful today and influential today. Because there always seems to be an area in the worship where church splits have happened all the time because of these worship leaders, because of talent and the influence that they have with people. We got the best. There is our friend Bill Fraught, Pastor Bill Fraught, wrote a book called The Lucifer Syndrome. As a matter of fact, Oral Roberts University has adopted a book for its students. And it's called The Ten Symptoms of the Lucifer Syndrome. And we have our worship team read that book to guard their hearts. Because you can open yourself up, especially when you start standing in front of thousands of people and you're singing. Come on now. And that being said, therefore, there is talent, and then there is the anointing. Come on now. That's right, performance. And you have to be very, very careful with that. Come on, hello, somebody. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you sing, if you couldn't sing a tune out of a bucket, but the anointing falls when you do it, people come running to the altar, it's not because they want to run out of the place, but they're running to the altar. That's the anointing. You, you heard me say it earlier. That there's coming at a time when preachers will preach and their words will have weight. Well, where is that in the word? In Acts chapter 11, when Peter went to Cornelius' house. And the Bible says that as he began to preach, the Holy Ghost fell, come on now, in that house, as it was at the beginning, which was Acts chapter 2. So there's coming a time when there will be preachers that are anointed, but in anointing, the very words they're speaking will fall on the ears of the people and actually stir holy emotions. We've had that happen. We have that happen here. Where is that? I'm glad you asked. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Very familiar scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
Amplified Version says this, As for myself, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony or the evidence of the mystery of the secret of God concerning what He's done through Christ for the salvation of men in lofty words of eloquence or human philosophy and wisdom. For I resolved to know nothing, to be acquainted with nothing, to make a display of the knowledge of nothing, and to be conscious of nothing among you except Jesus Christ the Messiah and Him crucified. And I was impassioned to a state of weakness and fear and dread and great trembling after I'd come to you. And my language and my message were not set forth with persuasive, enticing, plausible words of wisdom, but they were in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power, a proof by the Spirit and the power of God operating on me, stirring in the minds of my hearers the most holy emotions, thus persuading them. So the very words that Paul said, he said this, I didn't come with excellency of speech or superior words of man's wisdom, but I came to you in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of Almighty God. And isn't it interesting that when the anointing goes forth, it stirs holy emotions. How many times over the last 10 years, people have come in here, and while we're just ministering or preaching on the, on the music, people start weeping. What is that? It's the anointing. Why is it that so people start laughing uncontrollably when the Lord begins to do that? And it is the Lord. What is that? It's the anointing. Amen. It is a great and desirable thing to want to flow in the anointing, but there's a price to pay for the anointing because the anointing will never carry you where your character and integrity can't keep you. I mean, I can say that again. The anointing will never carry you with, where your character and integrity can't keep you. Amen. How many times have we heard where people that God has anointed somebody and they came out of the essence of nobody and suddenly they've been like a shooting star but they come to find out that their marriage is on the rocks or on the verge of divorce. They've got a girlfriend on the side and suddenly it just blows it up and then it affects the entire body of Christ and it puts a blight on the body of Christ. So the anointing will never carry you. Your character and integrity can't keep you. So what's going to happen? You will be tested in your character, and you'll be tested in your integrity. And it's even the little things where you'll be tested. I remember when we were at Rama, and um, we had a a cleaning, carpet cleaning repair and cleaning business. And I remember going to my accountant, and I parked by a Mercedes. And I opened the door, and the wind caught the door, caught on my hand, and put a little dent in the Mercedes next to me. I mean, you could hardly even see it, but it was there. I knew about it. I could see it. So what did I do? I had an opportunity. Either I'm going to write a note and put it on the car, or I'm going to go from shop to shop to shop to find out whose car it was. So I decided to go from shop to shop to shop. Is this your car? No. Is this your car? No. So I walk into my accountant's office, (laughs) and I said, hey, is this your car? Oh, no, that's... You know, this is so-and-so's car. I was like, oh, my gosh. And she was my accountant. So I had to walk into her office, and I said, I am so sorry. I said, I saw Mercedes. She said, oh, yeah, this is brand new. I picked it up yesterday. I said, I told her, I said, I am so sorry. I said, I went to get out of my car, and the wind caught the door, and it put a little dent. I said, I'll give you my insurance information, and you can take care of it. And she said, Brother Jack, don't worry about it. I'll get it fixed. I'm a regular student. God, I'm believing for bread and butter. Praise God. Amen. Right? Come on. I know somebody. I, I thought I knew a lot about faith until I decided to go to Bible college. Praise God. Amen. Come on. It's the anointing. Character. I remember we were at Ramah, and I was cleaning this one car. This guy, he, he, did, he detailed cars, but he needed somebody to clean the upholstery. So I remember we were, I was in this car, and I was cleaning it, and one of my tools had fallen off the wall and hit the... The, the film inside the, you know, it's brand new film, the, 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 the gray film, you know, it's on the, on, the, on the windshields and all that kind of stuff on the driver's side. So I he put a little bit of a nick. And it was a tiny little nick, a tiny, but I knew about it. And I thought, oh, man, now I'm going to have to pay for this. So when the owner showed up, I just said, hey, listen, I had a little bit of an accident. I nicked your film. They said, where? I don't even see it. I said, it's right there. Oh, don't worry about it. Well, you know, seven months ago, I was kind of over in St. Pete, and I was kind of working a job, and I went to park at the convenience store to go get an energy drink, and I backed my truck up, right, 
And I noticed something that was really unusual. The pumps were really close to the front. So if a car came forward, you were almost like you really had to turn your wheel to miss the car to be able to make it right. So when I came out to get into the truck, now remember the back of the truck's to the door, and all of a sudden I pulled forward and I kind of cut it short and I heard this, and I was like, what the hell in the world? And I got out and there was a small two-seater Maserati sitting next to my car, my truck. And it was so low to the ground that when I cut it, the back rim, the mag wheel, caught the left quarter panel, front quarter panel, and busted the glass and everything. And I, I looked at my truck, and there was no damage on my truck. And I thought, did I, did I do this or not do this? I mean, did that, I mean, it didn't, it wasn't computing because I looked at my truck, and there was no damage to my truck. And there was just a little scuff mark on the mag wheel. And I thought, well, I'm just going to stick around. So I stuck around in about 10 or 15, 20 minutes. And I couldn't find the guy. I walked into the store. Come to find out he was using the restroom. And he came out. And I said, is this your car? And he said, yes. And I said, I think I did this to your car. I said, I don't see any damage. But was that there? No, it wasn't there. I said, well, please forgive me. I'm sorry. Here's my insurance information. And I gave him my insurance company. I called my insurance company. I said, I just, it was damn, no ticket was given. It was just a little fender bender kind of thing. And here's his name. Here's his, the guy couldn't believe that I actually went the extra mile to try to help him with my insurance company. So my insurance company gave me a double whammy when it was renewed. So you know what I did? Changed the insurance company. Praise God, man. <laughs> you lost my business. Come on, hello, somebody. Character and integrity. We want to flow with the anointing, but you've got to have character and integrity. It's important with that. How about having a sinless life? Come on now. Yeah, we want to do great things for God. We want to see the blind, see the deaf here. No, how is it that a minister on Sunday morning or Sunday night can flow in great power, but then during the week sleep with his girlfriend? And suddenly deception comes into thinking that now they're special. Hello? Because they'll get behind the pulpit They'll preach a word and miracles will start popping up like popcorn, but then they got a mess on their hands during the week. How is that? Well, number one, it's God that's doing the miracles, not the man. Hello? And the gifts and the callings of God without repentance. When God gives a gift. But eventually the anointing leaves and deception comes in. Hello? And we've heard the stories. We've heard the stories. Now, if there's an issue in your life, God will give you opportunity to repent. Come on now. Because he has long patience, amen, and he's merciful and he's gracious. But if repentance doesn't come, eventually the same power that cures can also cause problems for that person. Amen. And we see that with Ananias and Sapphira. Isn't that right? Sometimes people, there, there's, a, there's a glamorous, glorious idolization of people. Come on, we see it. And it's crept into the church. Oh, yeah. Sometimes they see ministers flow and great power, and then people think, oh, man, I wish I, yeah, I wish I could be able to do that. I wish I could be on the platform and I could minister to thousands of people in the blind, seeing the deaf, hearing the lame walk, and all that kind of stuff. And then, But when they get behind the scenes to find out how in the world did they get there, then they don't want to pay the price. Yeah. They don't want to pay the price. They don't want to go through the pain. Pain is a great grower. It does two things for you. Either it'll make you better or it'll make you bitter. Amen. Pain is a great grower. You, it's very rare, very rare that God will take somebody who just gets born again and within a period of five or ten years, they're on platforms of world. It's very rare. It's very rare. It does happen, but it's very rare. There seems to be a process. Elisha was known as the prophet that washed the prophet. I mean, was known as the servant that washed the prophet's hand. Elisha served Elijah for 21 years, I think it is. 20 years or 21 years. Before he ever came into his own. So there's a period of faithfulness. If you're faithful with a little thing, God will make you ruler over much. There's a period of faithfulness. 
For Pastor Marie and I, it would be easy for us to sell the building, sell my business, sell my house, put all the money in the ministry, and go overseas and do the miracle healing crusades that we do. It would be very easy to do that, but we would be out of the will of God. And that's another thing. You have to stay in the will of God. Amen. You have to stay in the will of God. I don't want to get out of the will of God. That's a bad place to be. It's a bad place to be. No, God has called us to Plant City. He's called us to have a Bible college. He's called us to have a church. He's called us to have a launching pad. And it doesn't matter what it looks like. God keeps paying the bills. He keeps paying the salary. Keeps it going. It's like the Energizer Bunny. Keep on going. Keep on going. And keep on going. Amen. And God uses the most unusual sources to take care of the need. That's just the most unlikely places where you think. You think that when somebody else would do it, and then out of nowhere, God just like, surprise! Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. And you'll be hard-pressed to find word and spirit today. That is a fact. You'll be hard-pressed to find word and spirit. And Brother Hagin prophesied, yes, you are word people. That's good and that's right. But don't forget, you're also spirit people. Amen. 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 Look at that prophecy. The prophecy he came out before he went home to be with Jesus. He talked about that. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Bring up one of my crusades, would you please? I want to show them. Bring up um, San Cristobal, if you would. You can go to um, the YouTube page and bring up San Cristobal, Dominican Republic. I want to show you a couple clips. How do Thank you, Jesus. Let me know when you have that ready. Okay. One of the things that, that Pastor Marie and I love to do, and I want to remain it that way, is we fly under the radar. So why do you fly under the radar? Less devils to deal with. I remember when we were living in Chicago, we were interviewed by the Lassie Broadcasting Network. Because I had written three books. I've given away most of the books that I've sold, thank God, which is a good thing. I don't mind that. I'm a giver. I like to give. Because I know that I'll get back, pressed down, shaken together. And running over. So I went on an interview and I read three books called, number one, the first book is called Revival Last Call. The second book is called Flowing in the Anointing. And the third book is called The Spirit. So they interviewed me with Revival Last Call and The Spirit. And I hadn't finished writing, um, I mean, Flowing in the Anointing. Revival Last Call and Flowing in the Anointing. They interviewed me two different times. I remember getting emails from wackadoos. So I see you're getting a little attention. Uh-oh, uh-oh. And then I thought, hmm, I wonder if I should just stay under the radar. Be covert. Special ops. Go in, you wreak havoc in Satan's kingdom, and then you pull out. And I kind of like that. And it's kind of interesting, too, because we were a part of history-making, a history-making event in Christianity. We were a part of One Nation One Day in 2013. Myself and 18 other crusade evangelists, we rented 18 stadiums in the country of Honduras, took 2,500 missionaries from the United States of America, we rented two 747 jets, we landed in Tegucigalpa, Honduras, we had 30 Greyhound buses divide up the team, we went to the entire nation of Honduras from President Lobo Sosa all the way down to the school janitor. More than 1.38 million people gave a heart to Christ in a wow. nine-day period. We were a part of that first, first thing, One Nation, One Day. We did Valle, the, the city of Valle. It impacted 43,000 people in the city of Valle. It was history-making. Then we were a part of One Nation, One Day in El Salvador, where we partnered with six other crusade evangelists. And we went in there. 
Elsa, I mean, um, no, um, Belize, excuse me, Belize, Rims of Belize. Belize is only 300 million people. So we're not going to go this year with a team, but next year, 2021. Kind of giving everybody a break this year. So I want to encourage you to come with us. You want to see the gospel in action? The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, and God flow through you? It's the most amazing thing to lay hands where there's a tumor and feel it disappear right underneath your hands. The most amazing thing. Man, if only people knew. Only people knew about the dog. They just knew. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Don't you want your name known in the lights in the world? No. I want my name to be known in hell. Yeah. <laughs> Not because I'm there, because people are afraid. Come on, hell no, I'm not there. good and faithful servant. It's very impacting, isn't it? It impacts me. To say that I don't love what I do, I do love. And it's whosoever will. In this day and time, it's whosoever will. Come, come with us. We'll go. And your life will never be the same. How many have been on a crusade with us? Life is never the same, is it? Not the same. You will not know the real essence of the ministry until you come on a crusade with us. You've been on several, haven't you? It's life changing every time, isn't it? You're, you see these videos and your heart goes out, doesn't it? I know. Do you know that 10 years when we came here, I had several preachers tell me every church that's like your church that has started only lasted a year or 10 years in Wednesday? <laughs> <laughs> we beat the average. Oh my God. God's honest truth. I had several pastors tell me. I had a couple of pastors here in Plant City or friends of mine said, yes, Plant City is known for the graveyard for preachers. There's hundred over 130 churches here in a 22 by 20 mile radius. So it's a buffet. And this is, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, if you feel like you need a buffet, you can pick your choice. I mean. I mean, there, there's families that I know that will drop their kids off at a certain church and then go to another church because the kids' program is better than the church that they're going to, but the preaching is much better than where they drop their kids off. So you just drop your kids off, let them join the jumpies, praise God, and then you go over to this church where they had great praise and worship in the past where they had a stinky children's ministry. Babysit for an hour. That is the absolute truth. So we're here. We're not the only ones here. But we're going to do what we can do. It's whosoever will. Can you say amen? amen? Because I know this like I know my name. There will come a day where people will be desperate for a move of God, thirsty for a move of God, hungry for a move of God. And we're almost there. We're 
almost there. We're right on the verge. And people will be desperate for their spiritual lives because of the things that are happening in the earth today. So I have good news for you. You're anointed. And the presence of God lives and abides on the inside of you. It doesn't matter what hell you're going through. It's just another opportunity for God to show himself strong on your behalf. So what activates the anointing of God? Hunger does. Hunger and desperation activates the anointing. Why is it that we see, seemingly see, a tremendous amount of miracle signs and wonders overseas than we do in the Western world? It's not because we have everything, even though we do. That's not the answer. It's not because we have everything and they have nothing. No, that's not the answer. It's one thing and one thing alone. It's spiritual hunger. Spiritual hunger triggers the move of God. You go to a people that are spiritually hungry and desperate, you'll have a move of God. But you go to a place where people are complacent and satisfied, you will not have a move of God. I've been doing this for 23 years. I've been in a lot of churches in 23 years. I've been in a lot of all over this nation, and I've been to 15 or more nations. And I've ministered in three member churches. And I've ministered in 5,000-member churches. And I've ministered in 10,000-member churches. I've stood on platforms of 3,000 people up to 60,000 people. And one thing that I have discovered, where people are hungry, there's a move of God. When people are hungry and they are satisfied and they are complacent with their relationship with God, there is no move of God. That is the absolute truth to the matter. And one of the dangers, listen, one of the dangers of being part of a Word and Spirit church is that you can get used to it and you can get comfortable. We have we got great Word. We have the gifts of the Spirit in operation. God moves. And you can get comfortable with that. And then complacency settles in. And then you're thinking everything's cool and everything's great. And then you realize you're not as hungry as you were. Amen. It, that's just the way it works. You study it out in the New Testament. You see it in Jesus' ministry. Those that were complacent and unhungry, you don't see much of a move of God. But you see the places where people are desperate and are hungry, there's a great move of God. So we have to be very careful that we don't become satisfied and feel like we got it all. We don't. No, you have to be hungry. You have to get hungry. And you have to get thirsty. And that's a process over time. So the anointing is something that God does with you when you get born again. Isaiah 12, 3 says, Therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. So when you get born again, you become anointed. Jesus Christ. Christ is not his last name. The word Christ means anointed and his anointing. Jesus, the anointed and his anointing. So when you receive Jesus into your heart, I call it a well anointing. Isaiah 12, 3, and John chapter 4 talks about that. Isaiah 12, 3, therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells, the wells of salvation, water symbolic of the anointing. And then when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, you get a river. John 7, 37, 38, 39. Jesus said in the last day of the great day of the feast, the day of the let him come to me and drink, for out of his belly will flow forth rivers of living water. So you've got wells of water, and now you have rivers. Water is symbolic of the anointing. And then there's ways to transfer the anointing. You can lay hands. You don't have to push people over. I cannot tell you, people accuse me of pushing them over. I don't push anybody over. You push me. I've had people come in the prayer line, and I touch them in the stomach, and they go, and then they get back up, and they go, Dr. Jack punched me in the stomach when I was in the room. I didn't punch. They probably needed a punch. This is what happened. I got to tell you the truth. This is what happened. I was in North Carolina doing a revival meeting. Come to find out there was a man that came to the meeting, and he accused me of doing something to his sister in the service, which was totally untrue. And come to find out, he was abusing his wife, beating her. So he came forward to get prayer, and when I laid my hands on him, he went, and he fell on the floor. And he got up, and he said, he punched me. I, he needed a punch. But I didn't punch him. But he felt like the, like the air, He's on the floor. He gets up and goes to the local magistrate and tries to get me arrested. 
Because he said, I punched him. I didn't punch him. Jesus did. <laughs> He's like, hit your wife one more time. Come on. Hello. Don't you punch my daughter. You're going to get it, bub. He tried to get me, tried to get me arrested. And there was a local police officer in the meeting. And she actually found the paperwork and removed it out, out of the stack for me. Thank God. But yeah, because it wasn't true. Now, I would have to go to court and have my defense and have everybody in line and everybody that was in the meeting. And then not only that, if I, I, because I have a concealed weapons permit, and if the, the judgment was against me, I wouldn't be able to carry my permit, my a firearm in North Carolina. And as a matter of fact, because I have a concealed weapons permit holder, they could actually prevent me from going into North Carolina. Isn't that nice? The dude deserved a punch. <laughs> but I didn't punch him. I just laid my hands on him. I mean, I guess he probably need two punches, I, you know, because if he did that, then I'd have to punch him and make it really legit. God punch him, and then I'll punch him. <laughs> what would you tell him? I said, the anointing of Smith Wigglesworth came on me. Praise God. <laughs> I ministered the fivefold ministry. Praise God. <laughs> Creep fast, continuous, laying on the hands without prayer. Praise God. <laughs> 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 The preacher punched me. No, no, it was the anointing. God punched him. He needed a punch. You don't do things to your wife. You're a wimp. Oh, you get taken out back. And there I was. So it's the anointing. The anointing. You're anointed to do what you're doing. If you want to see a breakthrough in things, like say, for example, if you want to see a breakthrough in deaf ears, just pray for deaf ears. People have deaf ears. You want to see a breakthrough in something? Just pick something and find every dead person that you can. Amen. And then start praying for people to see if you get a breakthrough. I mean, who, who's the guy that's raised 700 people from the dead? What's David Hogan. I mean, I ever heard David Hogan. He's from Mexico. He ministers to the Aztec Indians in the, in the hills of Mexico. He's raised over 700 people from the dead. You can Google him. Over seven. David Hogan. He's got a, a series called Faith to Raise the Dead, the five-video series. Maybe we ought to show that one time. I mean, you've always encouraged me, maybe on some Sunday nights, show some videos of these old-time individuals of the power of God. I mean, we got some really good videos. Don't freak people out, actually. <laughs> I mean, like demons talking through people and all this kind of thing. Who's your brother? Who's your mother? Who's your sister? Oh, just come out. No, no, maybe we should show some of these things. You know, Catherine Coleman, A.A. Allen, Jack Coe. I mean, I have video footage in my video library. It would encourage you to see these things. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's all done by the anointing. Right. Amen. Amen. When you discover that you're anointed, there's not a devil in hell that will stop you. Amen. Amen. Demons tremble Amen. because of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. It's not hard to receive from the anointing. You have to have an open heart. I'll share this one story, and then we'll see what the Lord wants to do. I remember when we were in Tulsa, and um, I had a friend of mine who invited a minister from the John G. Lake Healing Rooms out of Spokane, Washington. Cal Pierce is the head guy that started that reopened the John G. Lake, the original John G. Lake Healing Rooms in Spokane, Washington. He opened the building in which they were having that at. As a matter of fact, Cal Pierce was a real estate agent in California, and the Lord told him, I want you to go to the, to the old building where John G. Lake would hold those healing meetings. John G. Lake would set up three people. One prayed the Holy Ghost, one would read the Word, and the other one would do laying on hands. He had a 98% success rate of all the people that the doctors had given up for dead. Call them healing technicians. So when Cal Pierce went to the building, he got a key because the building was for sale. He got a key from the real estate agent. He opened the door. When he opened the door, he went upstairs and he walked into the room, this room. And suddenly, a nine-foot angel appeared. And he said, I've been waiting 70 years for someone to come and reopen these rooms. Yeah. Now, we went... It was awesome. 
Before we moved down here, we wanted to be trained for the John G. Lake healing rooms, and so we went for three days. So we went and sat underneath Cal Pierce's ministry. They, had a, they have an intercessor who is paid to pray eight hours a day for the ministry. How is it that, that's your job. Your only job, you get 13, 14, 15 bucks an hour. Your job for eight hours a day, Monday through Friday, is to come and pray. That's your job. That's all you do. You pray in the Holy Ghost. You get in the prayer room, you pray in the Holy Ghost for the ministry. That would be a pretty awesome job, wouldn't it? Yeah. So they had this room, which is a prayer room upstairs. So we, came, we went a little early, and we actually met Cal Pierce and said, hey, you know, we're pastors, we're ministers, and things like that. Could you just give us a little door? He said, sure. So he's taking us through the rooms, and he's showing everything. We went upstairs, and we walked into this one room. When we walked into this one room, the anointing came on me. And now, this is the first time I've ever met Cal Pierce, and I, I'm, I'm losing my composure. And I'm feeling the anointing, like, overwhelming to the point that when I walked out of the room through the threshold, I fell on the floor. And Cal Pierce is standing there in the hallway looking at me, and my wife is standing there, and he says to her, oh, this is pretty normal. Most ministers can't even make it out of the room. <laughs> and he tells us we have an on-staff intercessor, and that's the prayer room. <laughs> and then he took us to her office, and she has, um, who, uh, who's, the, who's the warrior lady in the Old Testament? What was her name? Deborah. Yeah. So she's got this mural of Deborah on a horse with a sword and armor and everything. I'm like, oh, oh, snap. <laughs> and then he's like, you know what happens? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And, and they have miracles and signs and wonders and things like that. And, he's, and then he said there was one time where the power of God hit a person, threw them up against the wall, and they got stuck to the wall off their feet. Stuck to the wall. I'm going to forget that. What is that? The anointing. It's the presence of God. There's been a lot of things we wanted to implement here. But the right person has got to come to implement it. There's so much we want to do. But we cannot do if there's nobody to do it. We can't. I'm not a jack of all trades or master of none. There's so much. I wanted to open up a John G. Lake Healing room here in the church. But somebody's got to come and do it. I can't do it all. I can't do it all. I can't get up on the roof. I can't brush the toilet. I can't preach. I can't pray. I can't catch. I can't. I mean, I can. I've done all those things, but I'm just saying. We need help. We need somebody called to do it. Dr. Dufresne. I mean, you're familiar with Dr. Dufresne. Ed Dufresne. He said this. You'll never move past, if the vision's bigger than the, the people, you'll never get it done. You, the people have got to come to do these things. Big vision. Big things. We want to do a lot of things in Plant City. But can't do it all. Hallelujah. What is the anointing? It's an encounter with God. I believe that every believer should have an encounter with God. At some point in their Christianity, they need to have a major encounter with God that radically changes them. And you've got to get to a place of total desperation and total hunger. Thank you for joining us this week. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net.